Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Welcome to breakfast and the class. Breakfast and the class today is dedicated in loving memory of Moshe Davah, Alav Shalom Lilun Shmat Moshe Ben Gilson, sponsored by his wife Yvette and children. And uh, the week of Kobru was sponsored by James Haddon in honor of Rabbi Farhi's legendary dance moves on full display at the Said and Haddon wedding. I, I'm not sure how many more people need to hear about these dance moves, but... Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take it until today is, I think, the last day. People find out of my alter ego, uh, Shlomo Michael Jackson Farhi. Okay, let's, let's, uh, uh, let's settle in. Um, of course, as well, uh, it breaks our heart to uh, dedicate today's breakfast in the class also to the soul and neshama of Yaakov Israel ben Tamar Malka, Alava Shalom, who yesterday passed away. Uh, he was five, six years old. Uh, who passed away yesterday. The funeral was yesterday in, in Brooklyn and they took him to Eretz Israel, the Haram and Uchot. Uh, it's very, very tough. So, my friends, today's words of Torah should be an ilui neshama for him and should bring comfort to his two tzaddikim of, a, of, a, of a parents that he has, Rafael and Tamar Farhi. Yibadel ha'im tovim arukim. They should be zochet to long life and health and happiness with their family. Uh, if anyone would like as well, there is a, uh, a page that we have set up to help the family take care of the uh, responsibilities, the financial responsibilities of the uh, burial and of the associated, uh, associated costs and the financial difficulties they're going with, having been uh, for more than three months father and mother together with their child every single day in the hospital. Um, Six years, he just, I think he turned six. Okay. Amen. Our Torah, which guides us and leads us in the best of times and in the worst of times, shares a magnificent idea. It says by Midbar, when a person, when the Jewish people got into the desert, Hashem commands Moshe Rabbeinu to raise Se'uet Rosh, to count the heads of the Jewish people. And it's an interesting thing, this idea of counting. And the reason why it's so interesting is because it seems as if there's a paradox. When you count the Jews, we know that that's a problem. You're not supposed to count the Jews. In fact, it's such a problem to count the Jews that we need to, to devise a mechanism by which someone could count the Jews without their becoming an issue, a plague, a punishment. And that mechanism is called Machatzita Shekel, where they would count, instead of counting the Jews, they would count a half of a shekel for each person, and that would result, that would, that would constitute a counting that was protected. However, on the other side, we see that God counts the Jewish people when they get to the desert. God counts the Jewish people uh, before they have the war with Avalek. God counts the Jewish people before they leave Har Sinai. God counts the Jewish people before they get into the land of Israel. Why is God counting them if you're not supposed to count Jews? And the answer see, seems to be a very interesting concept. The Shem Yishmuel writes, and if you pay attention, you'll realize that each and every counting of the Jewish people occurs before a war. Whether that war is spiritual, 
or physical is a different issue. But it occurs before a war, it occurs before a struggle. And what is the reason why this counting, which you're never supposed to do, we do before a war? It's interesting. What, where, where? What's the, what's the concept? Our rabbis explained something so deep. And listen to this, my friends. You know, when a Kohen, Mashuach Milchama, there was a Kohen who was, who was given one job. And what was his job? He was anointed to be the priest of war. He was the anointed priest for war. Now before the Jewish people would go out to fight, he would gather them together and he would say, Listen, O Israel, do not fear as you go into battle. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to deliver you from your enemies. And he would give them what is effectively a divinely ordained pep talk. Isn't that remarkable? This was the Kohen's job. To get in there, put on his best Tony Robbins voice and say, you can do it. Hashem is with you. Now why was that so important? Hazak ve'ematz. Be strong, be courageous, be confident. Why was that so important? The Gemara in Sota teaches us a, f- a fantastic concept with actually quite dire consequences. The halakha is if you're at war and all of a sudden you notice that one of the soldiers is hightailing it, running from the front lines, he's running home for his mommy. What's the halakha? You're allowed to shoot the soldier. The Jewish soldier, running, scared for his life, shoot him, kill him, chop his legs off. Do what you need to do. Why? And I think only someone who's fought in a war or in a battle will understand. Tchilat nifila nisa. The beginning of the fall is the run. So if someone runs, what does everyone feel? That's it. Hopeless. Look, the guy in the front, he saw something that I didn't see. He knows something I don't know. We all better turn and run. You know what happens? Everyone turns and runs. The war is lost. They're firing into your backs. You're not defending the position. Everyone's dead. If, if anyone runs, everyone's dead. Tchilat, nifila, nisa, the beginning of the fall is the turn, is the run. So therefore, a lack of confidence or fear can actually be deadly. It gives credence to the adage that goes, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. A Jewish soldier is told not to fear anything. The one thing which is terrifying for a Jewish army is the fear of the soldiers in and of itself. So therefore, even though we never want to count Jews because we're worried about the ramifications, there's something which is so important that we have to brave those ramifications. Let me give you an example. Chemotherapy, I don't know if you know, is a disaster for the human body. It poisons the body from the inside out. It lowers a human being's strength 
it depletes their immune system, makes their hair fall out, makes them cough up blood. Who in their right mind would ever take chemo? And you know what the answer is? The answer is when you're up against something which is more dangerous than chemo, that's when a person takes chemo, barmanan. There's something more dangerous than the ramifications of being counted. And that is, before Am Yisrael goes to a war, the most dangerous thing in the world is not having the confidence that you matter. Am Yisrael, when we're a bunch of people, sometimes an individual and their power and their importance and the significance of their actions is lost on the person in the crowd. Because you don't think of how important you are when you're one amongst many. The only solution to that problem is to count people and tell them, you are your own number, you matter. You, quite literally, you count. So what do we do? Raise the head, so to speak. The word to count also means to elevate. Because that's what we're doing. We're telling each and every person, you matter, you, your tefillah, whether you came to shul is important. You know, Sammy runs around every morning and he tells people to come tomorrow. Because if they don't come tomorrow, you know, you're number 10. If you're number 1,000, what happens? You don't get up. You know, you're a little tired. You're not feeling so great. If you know you live in a town where there's only 10 men and you sleep in, there's no minyan, it's much harder to stay in bed. You know why? Because if I come to shul, it matters. Therefore, before every war the Jewish people fought, they had to be counted. But my friends, they were counted before their physical wars, and they're also counted before their spiritual wars. They were counted before they encountered battles with the Yetzer Hara. Because a lack of confidence is one of the greatest tools that the Yetzer Hara has in, his art, is in, has in his arsenal to be able to defeat you, to tell you that you don't really understand Torah, I wasn't built for this, I don't really get it. it to tell you that you, anywhere you're going to go to shul, you don't really read Hebrew anyway. What difference does it make? Does, is the rabbi going to even notice I came? What difference does it make? There's going to be a thousand people. I give tzedakah, I'm in a shul, people are much wealthier than me. How many times do I notice this? You know, there's a technique and a wisdom to who you call up for Kohen in a Beit Knesset. Because you call up for a Kohen, a guy who gives $10, what does everyone else give at the Sefer? $10. Kohen gives $100, what does everyone else give? $100. Follow the leader. They don't want to seem different. So you call a Kohen that gives a very small number, what happens? Everyone thinks small. If you start the bidding on Yom Kippur and some guy goes $5, it's hard to build on that. Someone says a thousand, ten thousand, then it's easy to build. People are like, okay, that's where we're at now. We're in the majors. We're in the Stanley Cup finals. Okay? Hazaku Baruch to Boston. Yeah, do you understand? We're in, we're in the NBA. We're in the NBA finals now. You know, this is the big leagues. On the other hand, my friends, you know what also happens 
when someone at a, you know, you're trying to collect money, say, does anyone want to help? And some guy goes, 10,000. You know what happens to every guy who can't give 10,000? They keep their mouth shut. Nobody follows a 10,000 with a 101. So you know what? If you have 1,000 people in the room and one guy gives 10,000, how much did you make? 10,000. No one else follows up. You have a thousand guys in the room and everyone gives $18, what happens? You made more money. When we go to war as a people, there is no one man that could win the battle by himself. No one man that could bring Mashiach by himself. The only way that's going to happen is if everybody steps up to the plate and does their piece. But in order to do that, you have to think that my $18 matters. I was once praying in the Beit Knesset of Rabbi Ruven Elbaz. <clears throat> amazing, amazing person. If you ever get a chance, you must pray at least silichot. And if you could go extra, at least once in your life, Yamim Noraim with Rabbi Elbaz in Yeshivat Ora Hayim. Thousands of people, energy is off the charts. Special, special thing. So I was in Nizam Minyan, and they're auctioning off the money. They're auctioning off the aliyot. Thousand, this, that, okay. Then he stands up and he says, this last petichat echal we are not auctioning off. I want to make a deal with everybody here. There's 2,000 plus people there. He says, instead of auctioning it to anybody, I'd like to ask everyone to commit to 18 shekel. He did this idea. And you know what everybody said together? Naaseh. <laughs> they made more money on the, on the backs of the kahal than they made on the back of any generous individual. The Kohen Mashuach Milchama steps up to the plate and says, my holy brothers and sisters, who are about to go to war, you matter. And if that's true, as we said, about a physical war, it is true about a spiritual war as well. Self-confidence today is one of the biggest issues that we face with our young people. Having them believe that they're good, that they are good enough. It is a battle to be able to give them that self-confidence. A kid doesn't want to read in the shul if he's not sure if he'll make a mistake. A kid doesn't want to read if he reads after another kid who reads very well. But another kid makes a bunch of mistakes. How do they, what, what do they do? No problem. I was in the youth minyan downstairs when we first started the youth minyan a year ago. And I went downstairs and I was praying with them. And I was actually leading the service. I had all the kids in the room. And what did I do? I read one of the hallelujahs and I on purpose made three mistakes. And I'd already prayed the first minyan, so I was able to talk at that point. And I said, you know, reading is hard. Even I'm a rabbi, I make mistakes. You don't have to be ashamed of a mistake. You only have to be ashamed of not trying. Now, if the rabbi can make a mistake, I can make a mistake. 
after I read that day, I don't know what happened the next week. But every single kid in the room took apart. That's this concept of Bamidbar. We have to be so afraid of one thing, of fear. Of the fear that stops a person from even bothering to try. That's the challenge. So, when we look at this parasha, I think one of the things that sticks out, it's so obvious to me, is this, uh, is this concept. So much of the parasha deals with how many Jews there were in each tribe, you know, how many of this, how many of that, how many of that one. And the Levi'im, they were not counted amongst the counting of the Jewish people. And why was that? How can the Levim were not counted? The answer is because it's a separate count, really. But the truth is, sorry? Next week. Next week. It's a separate count. And why was it a separate count? Because the Levim, they did not go to war. They had a different job. And I learned from this a tremendous idea. Because as Rafi points out, we're going to count them in just a minute. In a heartbeat, but not here. It teaches us, I think, a tremendous lesson. You know, as parents, a lot of times, we think to ourselves, I don't understand this guy. How come he's not doing well in school? He's so confident. When he goes, he plays basketball. He's so confident with his friends. What's going on with his schoolwork? This kid's so confident in the classroom. How come he's having problems socially? What we learn from this, from the element, the counting of Levi'im, in another parasha, is the Jewish people were going to one kind of war. The Levi'im were going into another kind of war. Each challenge and each difficulty has its own confidence reservoir, has its own fear challenge. I'm not afraid of a lot of things. I'm a pretty confident person. I'm not afraid to do most things, but there will be areas within which I'm very afraid. Why am I very afraid about those things? Because in that area, I'm unsure of myself. I lack the confidence. Counting the Levi'im separately teaches us that we need to look at our children, at our wives, and even at ourselves as people who don't have monolithic confidence tanks. A single reservoir that works for everything. Sometimes you could cross draw, but there will be things in which a person is very unsure about. I remember speaking to a big Talmud Chacham. This guy, when he gives halachic rulings, he doesn't hesitate, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't stammer, He's absolutely sure matters of life or death, no problem. The minute the man needs to speak publicly, his knees are shaking. It's not the same thing. It's another thing. I don't know. I, don't, I ask why. You have, you have only the most intelligent things to say. What are you worried about? I don't know. And we get upset sometimes with others and we tell them it's illogical it's you, you don't make sense you know just do this just try this you'll be great don't 
It upsets us. But my friends, you're looking for a logical reason for something which isn't logical at all. Fear is not a logical thing. It's something actually which is in many ways rooted far deeper than our emotional, excuse me, than our intellectual, and in many ways even our emotional needs. If I asked you which feeling, which emotion runs the deepest in a human being, most people would think it is love. But when you find a person who loves someone deeply, but is afraid to commit, what are you witnessing? You're witnessing that sometimes fear runs deeper than love. And if you think that that is something which is only relevant before a relationship begins, think again. When we don't let ourselves be vulnerable with our partners, when we have a secret from our wife or husband or children, something we're embarrassed about, we didn't do correctly, we were a little petty, you know, we did something that maybe we wouldn't be so proud of if people knew. That fear is, is stopping us from getting the support that we need and in some ways getting the support to fix something that we kind of wish we didn't do or weren't like. So you have an anger issue and you blame it on everything in the world. That's a person's fear of vulnerability. It's a fear of the way you'll see me. It's a fear of a crack, a chink in the armor of perfection. That fear is, it's holding you back from love. Fear runs deeper than love. And the reason for that is because it is a part of the reality of every living being. That safety mechanism which protects you by giving you that gut feeling that you're about to be attacked or that this person's not trustworthy. Animals have it. It's a leftover, if you will, a residual of every living thing on earth. That fear. And if that's the case, then conquering it only happens one way. It only happens when you fill the confidence tank. But learn from the separate counting of the Levi'im that some fears have a whole separate tank, a whole separate confidence reservoir that needs to be filled. So what do we learn from this? A lot of us think that the way you boost someone's confidence is by giving them compliments. And you would be correct. But what we're learning here is that random confidence boosters don't work for specific needs. So if you tell someone, oh, you're amazing, you're wonderful, you're great, that works for the, the, the general tank, but it does nothing for this area. So if you're noticing a child that's faltering in a certain area, the compliments to that you give and the encouragement that you offer needs to be specifically about this. So tell the child, I'm so impressed with how hard you're trying at making friends. You're getting really good at it. Used to be so shy to walk up to someone. 
I see that you're much better than you used to be. You're specifically targeting that area that the kid needs help in. I noticed how you're willing to share with your sister. I can't believe it. I know how hard it is for you to share the things that are yours. You really have a sense of justice when it comes to having your own things and someone taking something that's yours. I know how hard it is for you to give to your sister. I watched, I saw you take half of your cookie and give it. You're becoming the best sharer in the house. That's not only for children. It's complimenting your wife as well. Wow, I know how difficult your relationship is with my mother. I really appreciate the effort you made over the Shabbaton, over the Shabbat. I know how hard it is when your sister-in-law makes comments like that at the Shabbat table. You, you didn't respond back. I'm so proud of what you've done. That is growth. I'm just, I'm blown away. I just wanted you to know. You think adults don't need compliments? Oh my gosh. In some ways we need them even more than children. May Hashem bless us also to be people who count and people who count. People who matter and people who make sure that other people also know that they matter as well. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.